0: Studio. You're listening to the 90th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we hear Mike Soroka and the Atlanta Braves play Songs, The Key of Life with Stevie Wonder, watch the Los Angeles Dodgers clinch a playoff spot twice, and drink from the mythical beer bat with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. And in my hand, I have another delicious beer, and this one is called Small World. It's pineapple vanilla sour from a local brewery called Crooked Hammock Brewery in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Indulge me while I have a drink. Normally, I don't drink sours. I don't drink fruity beers. But what I like about this is, is subtle. There's a subtle pineapple. There's a subtle taste of vanilla. And it's not super sour. The reason I don't drink sour is because I just think of them as super sour. This is just the right notes, and I'm always like, we need to challenge ourselves. We always have to be getting out of our comfort zone. Because I was like, I was looking at when I was when I was at this local brewery, Crooked Hammock Brewery. I was like, let me go with a uh, eisen, some strong ale. But I'm like, no, I always go with that. Challenge yourself, challenge your taste buds. Otherwise, we don't grow. All right, so thank you for coming to my. Self-help podcast, I want to talk about the Myrtle Beach Pelicans who just finished up playing in the Carolina League playoffs last week. Was it last week? No, two weeks ago in episode 88, we, we made, by we, I mean I, made fun of the Chicago Cubs. I sarcastically asked, would the minor league A club, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, be their parent club, the Chicago Cubs? Right now, the Chicago Cubs are in third place in the National League Central Division 24 games behind the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cubs have already been eliminated from playoff contention and this Cubs team is going to struggle to win 70 games. Obviously it's sarcastic because a minor league A club which is 3 levels down from major league filled with a bunch of 20-year-old kids are not going to be are not going to beat professional players. But it's still something fun to do that because that's how bad the Cubs have been this year. And I actually went to go see this playoff game. The Pelicans played at home against the Charleston River Dogs. The stadium is called Pelicans Park. Pelicans Ballpark, excuse me. I'm going to tell you, I was surprised when I walked in. Everyone's very nice. It's a very minor league because everyone in the minor leagues always make it, always try to make it a tremendous fan experience. So I walked in in the very first vending spot on the left-hand side, they were advertising the beer bat. And I was like, what? How did I not know about this? Because I heard about the beer bed at Myrtle Beach Pelicans for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans on another baseball podcast. I don't remember if it was the show before the show or I don't remember. It was some other podcast that I always listen to that's dedicated solely to minor league. And I was like, and I heard it last year. I was like, man, that'd be really cool. Basically, it's instead of having, it's kind of like you go to your normal baseball stadium park. And you get those souvenir cups. It, all this is, is it's a cup. But it's shaped exactly like a beer. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it's shaped exactly like a bat. And on the top it has, it says like uh, Myrtle Beach and Pelicans. And it has the logo of the team. And they fill it up. But I was like, what kind of beers do they have here? They only have the terrible domestic beers. I'm not even gonna, going to dignify their name. But you already know who they are. Those terrible domestic beers that are everywhere. I was like, do I really want to pay $20 to have them fill up? With beer, I'm not gonna drink. I'm just gonna pour out. Thankfully, I kept walking down the corridors, and I found one. I found one tap that had. Unfortunately, it wasn't this this uh, small world pineapple vanilla sour. They had the Sadat Sam Adams Oktoberfest, and I was like, oh, that's it. That's where I'm gonna go. This is this is where I'm gonna buy the beer bat. And I love the fact that I got. I ordered the beer bat. I told the lady, please, I want it with the Sam Adams Oktoberfest, not. The other disgusting domestic beers, and it was it was really funny was that the lady was working at the concession stand with her daughter. I don't know, her daughter must have been I don't I don't know eight ten years old. I'm really bad with kids' ages. And the and the little girl was dressed up in a hot dog outfit, <laughs> and she was helping her mom like get hot dogs. And uh, I ordered uh what did I order some kind of barbecue sandwich pulled though no, I ordered pulled pork sandwich. That's what it was. It was very good. She was very nice. The mom was very nice. Later in the game, much later, I saw the same little girl who was in a hot dog outfit running out into the field because she was part of the in-between innings entertainment. I was like, that is exactly what minor league is all about. It's all about all hands on deck. You're working in the concession stands. You're pumping up the crowd. It's hilarious. I really enjoyed it. So the Pelicans were playing the Charleston river dogs and the river dogs are the a are the class a minor league team of the Tampa Bay Rays and the river dogs are the defending Carolina league champions and this was game two of that of the Carolina semifinals it was best of three the Tampa Bay Rays river dogs won both games I only attended the second game in Myrtle Beach the other first game was down in um down in Charleston South Carolina the dip for me in just that one game, the difference you could tell was the depth of the Rays minor league system. Or they just played better. Again, I didn't I didn't see both games. But what really bothered me was the Pelicans didn't play their best players. I've talked about the these two the two of the best two of the better players of the Pelicans a few weeks ago when I also talked about the Cubs and their struggles and their weak minor league system. Two of the players that I specifically showed up to watch, and of course their beer bat was a huge bonus. Their 20-year-old Dominican outfielder, Kevin Alcantara, he only had one at-bat. He didn't even start the game. When They were doing the lineups. Not the lineups. They were doing the introductions. Obviously, it was a playoff game. So they're introducing the athletic trainer. They're introducing the assistant water boy, the bat boy, the bat girl, everybody. And then they introduce Kevin Alcantara. And then they go, and now the starting lineup. And I was like, timeout. What? This guy who's like the third or fourth best prospect in the Chicago Cubs minor league system isn't starting game two of the Carolina league semifinals. What, what the heck is happening? And I was like, is he injured? I tried to look up information. There was no information about him being injured in game one. Alcantara hit, he had two hits and a home run. And also he finished the the September regular season minor league minor league games with a 320 batting average. An on base percentage of 414. And I'm thinking, why not use this guy who's clearly, if not your best, one of your best players in your team while you're trying to win a minor league championship and trying to instill winning in these these players as they go up the minor league system to eventually reach and help the Chicago Cubs in a few years? Anyways, Alcantara didn't start. Their other catcher, their other catcher, their other player I wanted to watch was their catcher, Moises Ballesteros. He only had a pinch-hit appearance. It was the bottom of the ninth inning, and he hit a two-home run. And I was like, "Man, this guy can swing the—he can swing the bat." I was really impressed in those in that one at bat that Ballesteros had. What's even more impressive is how much I love this sour beer. Give me a minute. So the River Dogs beat the Pelicans. The River Dogs move on to the Carolina 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 League Finals. The River Dogs are going to play the Lynchburg Hillcats. The Hillcats are the A-class team of the Cleveland Guardians, and that finals. In case you're interested, starts today. It's a best of three finals on the 18th of September, and Game Two is on Tuesday, the 20th of the 20th of September. So, cheers to all the wonderful people who made me feel welcome. I had fun watching the game at Pelicans Ballpark. Cheers to the beer bat. Cheers to the mascots, the girl, the little girl running around in a hot dog suit. <laughs> but you know what? league playoffs are almost over, but our social media is available all the time. Our Twitter account handle is at hpp forty forty, and our Instagram account is hipster baseball podcast. Give us a follow. And about a six hour drive west of Pelican Park, Pelicans Park is truest park where the Atlanta Braves play. And I'm talking about the Atlanta Braves pitcher, Mike Soroka and one of the greatest musical artists of all time, Stevie Wonder. Here's something I'm proposing to you. Mike Soroka is the Stevie Wonder of the Atlanta Braves. You're asking yourself, Dorian, what the heck are you talking about? You started off talking about minor league this, bats filled with beer, people dressed up in hot dogs the terrible Chicago Cubs, and now you're telling me that a pitcher is the same as one of the greatest musical artists of all time. Hear me out. Right now, Braves Nation, Braves Nation, Braves Country, they want to run Jake Odorizzi out of Braves Country with pitchforks. (laughs) Jake Odorizzi was traded to the Atlanta Braves, what, at the end of uh, July, I think it was. Odorizzi is their fifth. he's the back end of the guy. He's the fifth starting starting pitcher. Things just have not worked out with Jake Odorizzi and the the Atlanta Braves in in the seven starts that Odorizzi has had as as an Atlanta Brave. He's given up 17 earned runs, seven home runs, and he's only pitched longer than six innings once. And in his last two starts on the 11th of September, he pitched three in the two-thirds innings. On the 17th of September, de Rizzi pitched four and two-thirds innings. It always seems that Jake Odorizzi has to pitch on Sundays for the Braves, and the Braves never win on Sundays. <laughs> Today being the exception. And I'm like, maybe we should give Kyle Moeller that fifth starting rotation spot. I am not a fan of bringing back Ian Anderson. He was sent down to triple A, the Gwinn- Gwinnett Stripers for a reason. Ian Anderson has had a very rocky to be kind season and some people are like we need to bring back Mike Soroka because Soroka's been out for a while with injuries right now he's also just like Ian Anderson; he's with the triple-a Atlanta Braves club the Gwinnett Stripers and in six starts with the Gwinnett Stripers Mike Soroka has a 5.4 ERA he has a 1.12 whip he's pitched 25 innings and he has 25 strikeouts mostly he's pitching around he's throwing about 75 pitches per game i don't know if this is the type of player you want to bring up as your fifth starter as the atlanta braves are fighting to beat the new york mets for the national league east division obviously going to the playoffs is mike Soroka really going to be that much better than jake Rizzi, who's also been stinking it up with the atlanta braves mike Soroka has been stinking it up with the triple a team obviously the the batters are much better <laughs> In major league and, and, and obviously in the playoffs. The reason I'm talking about Mike Soroka is because he tore his Achilles back in August 2020. He had another surgery on the same Achilles in June 2021. Soroka made his major league debut against the New York Mets. Mike Soroka tore his Achilles against the New York Mets and he re-tore that Achilles. This is awful. On the 24th of June, 2021, the Atlanta Braves played the New York Mets the day before in Queens. That's scary. (laughs) Very scary. All these things are happening between Mike Soroka and the New York Mets. Soroka debuts against the Mets. He gets injured against the Mets. He gets re-injured when the Braves played the Mets the day before. But speaking of music, this is where I bring in Stevie Wonder. And one of the greatest albums of the 20th century. Songs in the Key of Life. Back on the 6th of August in 1973, Stevie Wonder was injured in a serious accident when he was touring in north carolina he was riding in a car and the car hit the back of a truck stevie wonder was in a coma for four days he had a partial loss of smell he had a temporary loss and of the of his taste buds check this out soroka had shoulder inflammation in 2018 in may 2018 and the Braves shut him down for the rest of that season dorian are you comparing a horrible car accident That Stevie Wonder had with Mike Soroka having shoulder inflammation. No, but indulge me. I'm trying to get to a point here. Stevie Wonder, he had won back-to-back Grammys for Album of the Year in 1974 and in 1975. For two albums called Inversions and Fulfillingness First Finale. In 2019, Mike Soroka started receiving league-wide recognition. Soroka finished 6th in Cy Young voting. He was voted to the All-Star Game in 2019. And Mike Soroka finished as the runner-up in the National League Rookie of the Year Award to... First baseman Pete Alonzo of... The New York Mets. (laughs) Scary! Is it it Halloween already? And so after the 1975 Grammy by Stevie Wonder, he won the 1975 Grammy, Stevie Wonder, his fans and music critics were going crazy. They're like, what in the world is how is Stevie Wonder going to top these last two insane years back in Braves country after Soroka had? gotten Cy Young Awards votes. Mike Soroka started in the National League Division Series against the St. Louis Cardinals in 2019. He was Like I said, he was voted to the All-Star Game. Braves Country were like, Mike Soroka is going to be the ace. He's going to be the next Tom Galavin, the next John Small. He's going to be it. But after all that success for Stevie Wonder, he was like, I'm going to start recording the next album, the one that everyone's waiting for while I'm touring. It'll come out. But by late 1975, Stevie Wonder was like, you know what? I'm going to leave all this business nonsense, this music business. He wasn't liking how the United States government was dealing with certain issues in the middle of the 1970s. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to emigrate to Ghana, which is a actually a wonderful country in Western Africa. For those of you who don't know, Ghana is like one of the leading lights of West Africa. It's a really great country. You should learn more about it and visit if you can. He was like, I'm going to go to Ghana and I'm going to work with handicapped children's and I'm going to just help make Ghana a better place. He was done. He was like, Michael Jordan, I'm walking away. I'm retiring. He was like Barry Sanders from the Detroit Tigers, Detroit Detroit Lions of the National Football League. He's like, I'm leaving at the top. Goodbye. Don't bother calling me. Stevie Wonder was already planning. I'm doing a farewell tour. I'm getting the heck out of here. Going to Ghana. But then... Motown, the very famous record company, went to Stevie Wonder and said, why not stay and continue to do music and help people from here versus giving all your talents up and not getting rewarded for it? So on the 5th of August, 1975, Stevie Wonder signed... It was almost like a baseball player, like a baseball contract. Stevie Wonder signed a seven-year, $37 million contract. He was supposed to... the, The terms were, he gives... Motown seven albums, but Motown gives Stevie Wonder full artistic controls of all his music and whatever Stevie Wonder wanted to do at the time It was the biggest music deal in history 37 million dollars doesn't sound like a big baseball contract today But in 1975 and adjusting for inflation that 37 million dollars in 1975 is the same as 203 million dollars In 2022, rewire mind. A baseball player signs a seven-year, 203 million dollar contract. That is some boku bucks, and that's exactly what Stevie Wonder signed in 1975. That's how good he was. He was the all star of all stars. Stevie Wonder was like, "All right, we're gonna release this anticipated album on Halloween, scary of 1975." But one, but Stevie was like. I need more time. This this album is not up to my standards because I have full artistic control. And you know what? Mike Soroka back to baseball. Mike Soroka was supposed to come back from his Achilles injury in 2021. And you know what? Part of the album, Songs in the Key of Life, Songs in the Key of Life was recorded in a record, in a recording studio called The Hit Factory, which is located in New York, the same city as... Where the New York Mets play. No scary music this time. <laughs> and you know what? Motown and all the corporate suits were... They were starting to get nervous because... Six months turned into a year. Year tur- turned into a year and a half. Year and a half turned into two years. This album was never coming out. And Stevie Wonder, as a big joke... <laughs> to make fun of everyone being so nervous... Him and his musicians had t-shirts printed up. And you can look you can look this up online. that The t-shirt said... We're almost finished. <laughs> there are pictures of Stevie Wonder with a t-shirt from 1975 that says, we're almost finished. <laughs> because he was under tremendous pressure from the company saying, look, we've just signed, we've just given you the biggest deal in music history. We need to deliver, man. The corporate suits, they were all like, oh, we just need more songs like Superstition. You know, very superstitious, riding on the wall. But Stevie Wonder was like, yeah, that's a great song, but I need to make new songs because I need to challenge myself. Finally, Stevie Wonder's album was released on the 28th of September, 1976. Songs in the Key of Life debuted at number one. And it won four Grammys, including, you guessed it, album of the year. As a double album, a double album. It sold five million copies. That's crazy. And the funny thing is that at the same time that Stevie Wonder took over two years to deliver this masterpiece of an album, the very famous, the very famous group, Earth, Wind & Fire, they recorded not one, not two, three albums and went on tour and they would come back and do it all over again. They recorded one album, went on tour, Earth, Wind & Fire would come back and do album number two, go on tour, come back, (laughs) record album three, go on tour. Because Earth, Wind & Fire was using the same recording studios as TV One. <laughs> That's insane that you're... It takes you almost three years to give birth to one of the greatest albums of the 20th century. <laughs> is Mike Soroka going to come back and win that album of the year because he's not an artist, but he's gonna. is he going to come back and win the Cy Young next year? Is he going to win the National League Most Valuable Player? I don't know. I'm not saying he is, but I like making comparisons because it makes this podcast for me a lot a lot more fun. The question is, is there even a place for Mike Soroka in the rotation or in the bullpen? Like I said earlier, I'd rather have Kyle Moeller be the the pitcher to take over Jake Odorizzi's spot as the fifth starter. In the bullpen, the bullpen you want someone who's a heavy strikeout guy. Mike Soroka isn't going to give you loads of strikeouts. And you already have players like Jesse Chavez, AJ Minter, etc. I really don't think Mike Soroka is going to get called up before the end of the year. But I don't know. I'm not the decision maker. I'm not the general manager, Anna- Alex Anthopoulos. I'm not the manager, Brian Snitker. Because right now, the Braves are one game behind the New York Mets in the National League East division. Honestly, it would be hilarious if Soroka makes his return this season the Atlanta Braves against the New York Mets. <laughs> because the Mets are flying down to Atlanta to play the Braves on the 30th of September. Remember, Songs in the Key of Life was released on the 28th of September. (laughs) Scary! We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. B. Dalton Bookseller. Looking for the hard-to-find gift? Relax. Look no further than B. Dalton. We offer a huge selection of books and magazines from which to choose. Everyday low prices. Come on in, grab a coffee, and browse in any of our locations. Be Dalton bookseller. You can call me books. I love books. And you're at, you might be asking, what book are you reading? I was reading a book, a biography on Edward Heath, who was the British Prime Minister in the early to mid-1970s. Scary! And I didn't actually end up finishing it because... And, I, but yes, I did get it from B Dalton bookseller, but I will finish it. It was just the, 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 the lady who wrote the book and it, it was published seriously back like in the mid, the, the, the early 1970s, it was just so detailed about his life. I'm like, all right, this is kind of a slow read. Let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. And I haven't picked up the book yet again, but I'll finish it. So cheers to B Dalton bookseller and cheers to more playoffs. Earlier, we talked about the river dogs and minor league and the Pelicans and the playing in the playoffs and the LA Dodgers are going to the big boys playoffs. They're going to play in October. The LA Dodgers. Did you know this? You probably do. They had, they clinched a playoff spot twice, <laughs> twice. The Dodgers celebrated after beating their rivals down South, the San Diego Padres Sunday night, the 11th of September, they crushed the Padres 11 to two. The usual things happen. You already know this beer comes out. There's everyone spraying each other with sparkling wine. But then Major League Baseball came out the very next morning and said, not so fast, my friend. Shout out to Lee Corso over at ESPN College College Football Day, whatever it's called. Apparently, the overworked statisticians at the Major League Baseball office in New York, the ones with pencils behind your ear, they made a mistake because that Monday morning, the morning of the 12th of September, Major League Baseball, basically, they put out a statement saying that they failed to, to take into an account a potential scenario where the Dodgers would lose their remaining 23 games in a row and the Padres would win their remaining 23, 24 games in a row and, they, and everyone would finish in a tie. The Dodgers losing 23 games in a row is improbable, but not impossible. But it's like, how do you make this mistake? I'm talking about Major League Baseball and their statisticians. Can you imagine getting promoted at work or you sign a or you have your own company and you just sign a big client or you finally buy a home, but your director calls you your boss calls you the next day and says, actually you still haven't been promoted or that important big client calls you and say, actually we still have to re- review the proposal. And we don't know if we can go forward yet or the bank or the lender calls you and says, actually, You didn't close in your house because we needed an additional $10,000 from you. What? I read this and I immediately thought, what kind of computers and software are the statisticians using at the Major League Baseball office in New York? This is highly embarrassing. It was basically swept under the rug because, I'll tell you in a minute, you know this, the Dodgers actually clinched their proper playoff spot. But I blame leadership at the Major League Baseball office, not the statisticians. What were the processes in place? Who decided what was written into the software? It boggles my mind that a mistake like this could happen. But the Dodgers kept going. They kept they keep winning and they actually clinched their proper playoff spot the very next day on the twelfth of September. And when they beat the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, six to nothing. And then the very next day on the 13th of September, they clinched the National League West Division, beating the the Arizona Diamondbacks four-nothing. In that division-clinching game against the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers held the Diamondbacks to three hits. Clayton Kershaw pitched seven innings. The Dodgers shut out the Arizona Diamondbacks the first two games of that three-game series. You just heard me say a few seconds ago, the Dodgers crushed the Padres on the 11th of September, 11-2. The Dodgers are just pounding teams. They're not beating teams. They're pounding them. And for that division-clinching win... On the 13th of September, the Dodgers beat Merrill Kelly. We talked about Merrill Kelly and the exciting Arizona Diamondbacks in episode 89 just last week. But the Dodgers are like, we're not having, you're not having fun with us. We're going to beat your brains in. (laughs) Kelly, he only managed to pitch five innings. And it was only the second time that Merrill Kelly failed to pitch at least six innings. Since the last time he didn't pitch six innings was over a month ago on the 11th of August. So the Dodgers are not playing around. The, the Dodgers have been beating people's brains in for a while because the this is the ninth time in the last 10 seasons that the Dodgers have won the National League West division. You know what? Shout out to first baseman Freddie Freeman. Former Atlanta Brave, by the way. This is his fifth consecutive division title. He had four with the Atlanta Braves, and now this one, this first one with the L.A. Dodgers. Freddie Freeman's having a heck of a season, and so are a lot of the guys with the Dodgers lineup. The Dodgers are going to be the number one seed in the National League, and they most probably will finish with the best record in all of Major League Baseball. So what's going on with the Dodgers over the next three, three weeks before the, before the postseason starts? They're obviously looking to keep healthy, they but they still want to stay sharp, even though right now they have really nothing to play for. They have the playoff clinch twice. <laughs> they have the National League West Division wrapped up. And in about a week they're going to have they have they're going to be guaranteed the best record in all of the National League and so therefore it cements home field advantage for them so it's hard to keep sharp when you don't have too much in front of you when your next big test is going to be in 3 weeks 3 weeks is a tremendously long time in baseball this 2022 LA Dodgers this is the fastest that they've clinched a title the second fastest in in franchise history they it only took them 141 games to clinch the division the fastest team in Dodgers history were were the Brooklyn Dodgers. They, they, they only needed 138 games back in 1955. And for those of you who are forced to watch baseball by Ken Burns every single winter on the MLB network, you know this from that documentary that they just run over and over and over again. <laughs> in 1955, the Brooklyn Dodgers beat the New York Yankees in seven games to win their fir- their first and only World Series as the Brooklyn Dodgers. We'll see if history repeats itself in 2022. So the Dodgers are also looking to bring back people from the injured list. And lastly, they need to line up their pitching rotation in the last week of the season so everyone is sharp and ready to go for the postseason. Coming back from the injured list is basically a lot of their pitchers. They have Brutard Graddle that guy with the crazy arm. I think he hit I think he pitches like 103 miles an hour as the relief pitcher. They're having Tony Gonslin, their starter, who's we're a huge fan of Tony Gonslin, because he loves cats and he always has like cat socks, cat cleats. You go on his social media, it's all about cats. He's a big, big animal lover, so he's a good guy. Maybe, probably. They're having David Price come back, who's your a relief pitcher slash middle long guy. You know, and there's rumors that David Price is going to retire after this season's over. So he would want to be, he would want to run off into the sunset with another World Series title. And another pitcher coming back from the injured list for the LA Dodgers is Blake Trinian. But here's a problem I see for the Dodgers going into the playoffs. Outside of the brilliant Julio Diaz and maybe Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers are out of starting pitching. And I don't fully trust Clayton Kershaw. Because of his creaky back. It seems like every three weeks, every month, he has to go on the IL because of his back. Because of his back. Because of his back. When he's pitching, he's brilliant. But when he's not pitching, he can't help you. And I haven't even mentioned the Dodgers relief pitcher, Craig Kimbrell. Because I don't want to get any hate mail. And Dodger Nation was all up in arms because he blew another save against the Diamondbacks on the 14th of September. He gave up up three runs. But you know what? Those three runs that, that Craig Kimbrel gave up against the Diamondbacks on the 14th of September, that was the first time he's given up a hit or a run since the 17th of August. Kimbrel hasn't been striking out as many batters as he used to when he was prime Craig Kimbrell, but he's still efficient. But I go back to that starting pitching of the LA Dodgers in the playoffs. Outside of Julio Diaz, I don't know who they can trust because there's going to be very, very few off days in the playoffs because of the condensed schedule. Remember there was a, a lockout at the beginning of the year. So the opening opening day was pushed back, I think a week or two. And so everything is condensed. There's going to be no travel dates in a lot of these, I think is division rounds or maybe the uh, the league championship series. That means that your pitchers are going to get even less time to rest and your relief pitchers. And that means if you use your relief pitchers every single night, you're going to burn them out on the flip side of it. I kind of see the LA Dodgers and I remember the 2021 Atlanta Braves because they had a lot of these same issues that they had a very good bullpen, but they had no starting pitching. Their starting pitches were just Charlie Morton and Max Fried. And in the, World, in the Atlanta Braves, when they played the Houston Astros in the World Series, the Braves had to, had to do two bullpen games because they just didn't have starting pitching, like zero. So if the Dodgers are going to get out of the National League and go to the World Series and win another World Series... That, that bullpen is going to have to be intergalactically brilliant because, they again, they have no starting pitching. I'm going, to stop, I'm going to stop using the word starting and pitching. Good luck to the Dodgers. They have three weeks to figure this out, and the fans are loving it. I don't know if you guys managed to catch any of the Dodgers-San Francisco Giants series over this past weekend that was played up in uh, Oracle Park. Dodger Nation showed out. There were loads of LA Dodger fans up in San Francisco. <laughs> and you know how much the the big rivalry that the Giants and the Dodgers have, so that's very funny and very good for the LA fans. And what's even more good news is for the Dodgers is that on the same on the on the flip side of that token, more bad news for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are going to play four times this week. So the Dodgers are going to have four more chances to beat down the poor and fun Arizona Diamondbacks, I hope that Merrill Kelly can pitch one more time against the Dodgers and actually beat them because I'm kind of pulling for this Arizona Diamondbacks next year. I'm going to be very interested to watch them in 2023. I spent a whole lot of time talking about Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves and Stevie Wonder, one of the greatest musical artists. You're asking yourself, I want a music analogy for the LA Dodgers. Give them, give them some respect, all respect to the LA Dodgers. Look, what the LA Dodgers just did, they've already won 100 games. I told you that they've won won the division in the second fastest timeline in their franchise history. The Dodgers just dropped a massive album. It's selling millions of copies. They're going and touring and selling out arenas. Now, the LA Dodgers are sitting back to see how many Grammys they're going to win. Basically, how many postseason series are they going to win? And potentially the World Series, a.k.a. the album of the year. I always love winning i don't know if you can win as a podcast but i always welcome and am grateful for new listeners always grateful to our loyal listeners just like those lawyer loyal dodgers fans up in oracle park i want to thank some new listeners from santiago de los caballeros dominican republic santiago of the gentlemen i love that name i never even heard of this town in the dominican republic thank you gracias another new listener from madrid españa madrid spain Another listener from Echage, Philippines. Never been there. I've always wanted to go to the Philippines. I hear the beaches are out of this world. I want to thank a new listener from Orlando, Florida. Queens, New York, where the New York Mets play. Scary. And Lehigh, Utah. Thanks for listening. You can always subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google SoundCloud, or Spotify. A picture of my drink, this delicious sour beer, will be on Instagram and Twitter. I'll talk with you next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Tips for Baseball Podcast. Bye.